Hey, you're listening to Can I Say That? with Brenna and Austin Blaine. Hey everybody, this week on the show we have our friend Logan Myers talking about Lament. Uh, Logan is vocationally a worship pastor here in Vancouver, um, and he's releasing a worship album very soon. And one of the themes of his album is lament and honesty. And as I like to ask every episode, Breno, why are we talking about lament this episode? Why do you think this is an important or a difficult uh, topic? I think one of the most surprising things that has continued to happen through just speaking over the past five years, especially when I speak at different youth groups, like with high schoolers especially, is when I preach a message that has to do with the story of lament, or when I preach a scripture of lament, it's always the reaction from the students or the people that I'm speaking to that surprises me. And it's oftentimes them saying, I've never heard this perspective out of the Bible, or I've never felt like I've been given permission to bring my pain into this conversation of faith. But it's so wildly important that we do have these messages about lament and we do highlight the scripture of lament in the Bible because not only is it a reality of what humans feel living in a broken world, not only is it a reality of something that's presented to us in scripture, but it teaches us about who God is. You see, when we only embrace good things, good messages, happy feelings in the church, we're liable to becoming a place that only speaks prosperity. You know, why does it say in John, in this world you will have trouble? Why is that such a key passage? Well, it's because it it feeds into this larger narrative of who God is and how he works through pain and trouble and turmoil. I believe that the prosperity gospel actually cheapens who God is for us. And so when being someone who works in community, whether you're a shepherd, a pastor, a speaker, whatever it is, It's important that you realize the great riches of who God is that can be seen only through seasons of pain. And we know because we live in a broken world that everyone who walks into our church doors or our home doors has been through a season of pain. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear what Logan has to say today. But before we jump into our interview, I just want to share a piece of one of the songs that Logan wrote called Nowhere Left to Run. God, tell me who I am. Tell me all you've planned for me. In the end will I believe. Am I a Pharisee? Or am I the woman at your feet? I want to give you Hey, 
Logan, how's it going? It's going so good. Happy Saturday. Thank you. Happy Saturday to you too. I'm super excited to hear about all you have to share with us today. Could you just share a little bit, you know, about your background and then what has brought you to the point of writing this album that you're about to share with us? Yes, absolutely. I would love to. Um, so I'm a, a worship leader at a church here in Vancouver, Washington. I do worship for our student ministries there. And, um, you know, the, the fun connection I have with you guys, I've just enjoyed listening to your podcast and, and all of that. But um, I've had Austin, I've been able to play with him a couple times at a few summer camps. So I just, I think there's a special bond that is shared over summer camp. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> So we've already got this bond established. So I think this is going to be a great conversation. So uh, anyways, but yes, yeah, so I'm a worship leader at, at a church here in Vancouver. The path I took to become a worship leader as a job was uh, kind of interesting because it's my full-time job. I, uh, well, I kind of did worship in high school and then throughout college, but I studied engineering in college and then worked as an aerospace engineer or worked in project management at an aerospace company for two years. And But then my wife and I had always just kind of, because we got married and right after that I started this job. And as soon as we got married, we were kind of thinking it would be really cool one day to work at a church together. That was just something that we had dreamed about. Then this door kind of just randomly opened and we just uh, we just jumped on it. So we moved uh, a couple hundred miles, 250 miles down to Vancouver um, to take this job. And now we are both working at, um, at New Heights Church, which has just been the hugest blessing. It's been super fun. So that, that's a little bit of the background about how I became a worship leader. But as far as getting to the point of writing this album, I think it comes back to one of the, the passions. And I think even, uh, almost hesitate, but I would say that this is just a calling I felt God pull me into over and over again, is writing songs for the local church. And not only that, but for specific people. <laughs> I just think it's so interesting in a culture where all so much of worship music or church music sounds the same. They're going for the same like epic, you know, anthem stadium experience with 80,000 people. That's what all the sound is so often. And an interesting part about it is lyrically, which just isn't a bad thing, but it's just something I've noticed so often lyrics are, um, they're just really, they can often be very general and which is great because then you get a wide audience and everybody can engage with it. But I think there's something that I've like, as I've been a worship leader and as I've, I've sung all these songs, there's something missing in this, in the sense I feel of the personal connection between like the group of people who are worshiping together, uh, specifically with the lyrics that they're singing. And so I just felt so passionate about um, using songwriting as a ministry tool, uh, almost to pastor people, but also just to share experiences together. So that's kind of like <laughs> a little bit of the the desire behind it. Um, the songs specifically that are on this album are ones that we've sung at our college ministry. It's like of uh, 50, 50 or 60 people. And it's been really, really cool just to share the stories behind the songs with them and then see I don't know, I just had this picture as I was thinking about this album of how music and specifically these songs within ministry, it's almost like they can be a table that we can, as a community, share experiences over 
and share uh, encouragement through and remember about, you know, just all that sort of thing by having our own songs. And, you know, so that's something that I feel like has, has brought me to the point of, oh, I really want to record these songs so that we can continue to, to share them together. And I do hope even the, uh, within the people that I don't know, it can be, uh, because all these songs come from very personal and discreet moments in my life, in my walk with God. And so my hope is those moments would be able to translate in such a way that as people who don't even know me or anything might even listen, they would have a glimpse of God working in somebody's life. And I, I just think that is the most powerful ministry tool uh, in general. <laughs> Honestly, I just think seeing God's love work and God's spirit move and his word change people's lives individuals' lives, I think that is one of the most powerful testimonies. And that's what I'm trying to do with this album, is, is kind of reveal that testimony. So, When we were talking about mm -hmm. doing this podcast, you sent me some notes about your album, and you said some of the themes surrounding your album, you know, coping mechanisms and how they formed your identity. Do those have anything to do with being a self-proclaimed uh, performance addict. I was really interested that you said that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a little bit spicy. But I do, honestly, I do think that that is a big thing that I was learning about from the Lord as I was working on this music. It's just so funny because performance really had been an idol in my life. And it's just so interesting being a worship leader, even now vocationally, and having... <laughs> Performance being idle is almost like being an alcoholic whose only job can be is, is a bartender. <laughs> you know, so it's just like, it's just been this constant dialogue and back and forth and almost tension in my life with a lot of decisions of like, God, am I like, am I pursuing this as an idol or, or is this just, or is this okay? Is this what you want me to be doing? So that that's a, an interesting part about it. So the sense of coping mechanisms I talked about uh, when I was in college I had, uh, I was doing engineering. <laughs> and so in engineering, it's so much based on performance. That, I mean, that's just, I mean, I guess generally in college too, but with engineering, it's all about get a grade on your test and you're either the bottom of the class or the top of the class. I was mostly toward the bottom, but there's this sense for me of like, I knew like what I did mattered uh, with who I was. And I was also in college on the track team um, for our college. And so that was another place that um, I just performed and performed and performed. And when I did well, I felt like myself belonged somewhere. And then when I didn't do well, I felt like I didn't matter. <laughs> I think an interesting part of the, the dialogue too is my senior year of high school, my parents divorced. And so going into college, at, almost at the same rate that my family was deteriorating, I felt that my identity was calcifying around my environment. And my current environment at that point was performance. <laughs> and it was this feedback of, oh my gosh, you did an awesome job. That's so cool. That was like the only feedback I was getting in my life as far as like, you know, safety and affirmation and that sort of stuff, just because my home was changing so dramatically. And so it ended up that became my home. <laughs> and I, I just really think after I graduated college, I, you know, I kind of felt the Lord kind of heal some of the, the pain in the loss. And it kind of I went through the grieving process of my family changing. And I didn't need a coping mechanism anymore. But I still over and over felt that performance threatened. 
And I could just feel myself so often grasping after it, grasping after it. And it would just get me in so much trouble. It would show up in, honestly, like just anxiety. It would show up in anger for me and frustration. And that is not (laughs) what the Lord has for us. And so this album really is, uh, it kind of shows the journey of what it means to rest in God, to lay my performance, because the performance in and of itself isn't a bad thing. You know, being a worship leader isn't a bad thing. But what this album became a process of was me laying that performance at the feet of the cross, at the feet of Jesus, because he's worthy of of our performance. And once I would let go of it and almost offer it to him as worship, I found so much freedom in what I was able to do in helping people. Yeah, there's a strange dichotomy and I've noticed in my own life of wanting to do the best that you can do and like bring your best to God, but also not letting your best be what you care about most. And it's so easy to focus on sort of the practical side of doing your best, at least for me, and totally losing track of like what it's even for, more accurately who it's for, you know? Yeah, because the question I so often asked myself over the past few years and still ask myself is how much does it matter? You know, it's like, how much does it matter that I really went full throttle on this thing versus just kind of just did it. And it's just an interesting question to ask God. And I feel like the answer really is, like you're saying, Austin, where is your heart? But another part, and I think we're planning on getting to this, but part of this album was the loss of one of my friends uh, was a big part of this story. And it's crazy because this guy was full of potential in life. Like he was the most incredible drummer I've ever played with. And I just, that was my favorite thing to do. He was my favorite person to play music with. And he had so much to offer the world, not not just with music, but just in life and in ministry. And it felt like he was just getting started in his ministry and just getting his rhythm. And then the Lord took him home. So what's the value of the things that he missed? You know, it's like I can't consider myself more valuable because I have a whole life of ministry and a a whole lot more opportunities to do my best when my buddy, who's just as valuable to God, didn't have those opportunities. So, yeah, it's just an interesting thing that, uh, yeah, it's just kind of a complicated thing, but it's all about surrendering to God in the midst of it. So one topic that I've been wanting to host on this show is the idea and practice of lament and how, you know, there's an entire book of the Bible about lament. And yet it seems like we don't know how to engage with it in in this time and in this culture. And so I'm, I'm wondering, you know, what are these themes of lament in your album and how have they played out in your own life? Yeah, I absolutely love that question. And I love this dialogue. I think it's so helpful for our church. <laughs> well, not, not just our church, but it's helpful for us just in general to not be afraid of lament. I, and, and I do think um, that was a pretty, ma- I mean, I hadn't really thought of it in that language, but I do think as I've reflected on that question, I, that really is a major theme of how a lot of this stuff came about. I, I mean, honestly, I've already talked about it, but that sense of like my family not feeling the same as I graduated college or graduated high school, went into college. And I basically, there was a huge amount of loss there. And even the next stage, I graduated college, this like awesome, ideal, you know, performance environment where I am performing all the time. And I, you know, my soul is just like loving it, you know, and then that 
I lost that. You know, I go, um, I graduated college, you know, we're married. We do just a lot of, you know, we're just spending a lot of alone time, which was just a beautiful season for us. I, but I stopped being on the worship team for that season so I could focus on our marriage. So two years, I wasn't really on our worship team. I was like the bottom rung on the ladder at my job. <laughs> and so I lost this identity of performing. And I think that the thing that's so important about lament and actually going through almost the grieving process is I think what lament does, what sorrow does, what pain and loss does, is I feel like it starts separating parts of our life. It like almost draws it out. It's just kind of like refining um, a metal or whatever. The dross, I, I think, you know, that's kind of the image will just rise to the surface. So it's separated. I think the, the interesting choice we all have is in the midst of sorrow, do you actually remove that stuff or you just kind of let it uh, let it harden again <laughs> in a different place. But for me, the the process of lament, I just felt the Lord meet me in that so often um, as, you know, over the years of writing these songs to where I was able to just identify these things. And I just, I don't think if I was not able to identify these different, you know, my coping mechanisms and things like that, I wouldn't really be able to to lay them down for before God and actually be healed from them. And so I think lament is just a primary sanctification strategy that the Lord uses over and over again. It was interesting as I was um, writing this album, and which I really didn't know I was writing this album until about six months ago <laughs> when I had all the songs. And I was like, ah, oh, this could be really good. But from uh, I wrote one of the songs I'd written three years ago, from the time three years ago when I started writing at least a few of these songs to now, I went from so. So my, my friend who I talked about before, went from totally fine, you know, we was able to hang out with him a lot. We actually had him play at one of our camps and to then he had a, a cancer diagnosis and then the diagnosis became much more severe. And then uh, about a year ago now, he passed away. And so that process for me is just really interesting to see these songs, which just started kind of as like, oh, I want to bless our community became a way for me to process lament, which was just crazy as it just unfolded. The same lyrics almost shifted meaning as my life was, you know, as I was entering this grieving process. I I, I learned a lot in that grieving process specifically. And, and I learned about my uh, just propensity to lean into my performance, uh, that sort of stuff. It was just so interesting. One thing I'm almost embarrassed about, but I felt the Lord kind of speak to me about it a little bit. But one of my first responses to like kind of hearing the severity of uh, the cancer in my friend John was, I can't wait to, like, I just, I, I want to write a song about this. And I almost fantasized about being able to perform at his memorial. And so it, it's just so interesting. And, and re, like right off the bat, I just felt so much shame about that thought. And guilt, and I don't think that's helpful in the midst of a grieving process because everybody grieves differently, and you shouldn't be ashamed of it. But for me, I felt so much shame. But in retrospect, I realized this is just—I <laughs> I, was—I'm able to learn about myself. I just—I think in that moment, and in that almost the fantasy of it, I'm able to identify. Oh wow, I really have put so much of my life and my trust and my hope in a really unsafe and pain-filled environment in performing for people. And that's where I found my home. That's where I found my safe place. And so with the opportunity of lament, I'm able to recognize that. And just I had the, the clarity to be able to see that in just such an intense time 
and over time was able to kind of continually just give it back to God, give it back to God, give it back to God. And I felt him meet me there and, and heal me and help me. The crazy thing was I actually did perform at his memorial. You know, and that's the funny thing. That's the tension of this whole thing. You know, like Austin was saying before, and I felt the Lord, like that was one of the most significant ways I felt the Holy Spirit just kind of take over and give me words to say, and I was way more confident than I ever thought I could be. And it was this powerful moment where I felt the Lord used me in an incredible way, but he used like this major idol in my life. So it's just this funny tension that Anyways, I'm kind of going back and forth between lament and then kind of this thing in performance, but lament helped me identify this performance thing. And then as I laid it before God at the feet of the cross, uh, I I just was able to see God use it in incredible ways. It's interesting, kind of going back to what you had said earlier about in one sense, I think a, a common theme in kind of our modern worship music is that it tends to be, yeah, almost vague, generic kind of a lot of breadth, maybe not as much depth, maybe not an emotion, but just kind of the target and what, what they're trying to say. Yeah, it's just like, your love is so good. You know, even like that song, which I really love so much, but, uh, you know, King of My Heart, it's just like, you are good. You are good. Whoa. Yeah. You, you know. Well, And so it's interesting that I, I, I see another, when I look think of kind of worship music as a whole, another big gap is raw honesty and disappointment and frustration and just like the real emotions of being humans in a broken world that screw up and are affected by things that are out of our control. Which the interesting thing about that is those emotions are so messy. They're so real, but it's hard to want to put that emotion on the table to then try and get a whole stadium of 80,000 people hyped up about, you know? (laughs) It's a lot easier to get people hyped up about the idea of God is good, God is good, you know, whoa, whoa. But but yeah, anyways, I, I just totally agree with what you're saying. Well, it's, it's always been strange to me. I, I might get this number wrong, but I believe off the top of my head of the Psalms, like I think two thirds of them are laments where it's the writer basically going like, what the heck, God, are you going to help me? What do you do? Like, I'm literally about to die or like. My, um, and then it like ends with a question. Yeah, and it's so it's so interesting that like in the Bible we see in our you know book of Psalms most of them are laments, but how we what we've been writing as a kind of a culture as a the global church, I guess, or even just the church in America, I guess you could say that we don't write about it that much. And we had sort of anecdotally we had some friends recently who had the unfortunate uh, situation of having a miscarriage, and I one of the things that came out of that was one of our friends saying like, I, I just felt so much loss and pain, but I, I like did, there was no worship music that I could sing to that would express what I was saying. Like I couldn't find something to, for people to say what I was going through. It's unfortunate that at the moment, that's kind of the case in our, in worship, generally speaking. In your opinion, do you feel like the church or even Christian culture at a large needs to engage more with the subject of lament or do you see it more so than I'm I see it personally or I uh man this is just a wild question for me and I've definitely I feel like I land on opposite sides of the pendulum on this like all the time but I think yes but then I also think no and I I think it's so contextual I oh gosh I need to explain myself better <laughs> picture this scenario which is one at New Heights that we often try and picture 
You have somebody brand new to church. They're walking in. They're completely uncomfortable. They have no idea what church is supposed to be like. They had a normal day. They're very normal people. And then they walk into a room and it's like the saddest, darkest moment. And it's like, man, that was super heavy. Like, I don't know if I want to like, anyways, it's just not an attractive as attractive as a thing. So that's, that's almost like one side of it. And it's, I don't know, deep pain. Although I, I don't know, I, I'm just going back. I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth on this thing, but I don't know if everybody's walking in, you know, I'm just giving the example of like a church service. Nobody's walking into church right now because we have the coronavirus, but everybody's streaming into a, a church service. Strange sentence, but yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what, how many of those people are in deep pain or like how many people like, is it the right, the most helpful thing to go into really deep waters of like even unearthing deep pain? You know, it's like for some people, like your friend that you shared, man, I hope that the church is able to meet her. And I hope so deeply that with worship music, we're able to meet her in a really profound and personal way. I mean, it's just the trouble is like, okay, you've got a whole flock of people that you're trying to help. And how do you most effectively help the entire group? It's just the funny thing. So I have a hard time saying, let's really push the gas on making a bunch of sad, dark songs. You know what I mean? But it's not wrong. So there's my there's one side of my mouth a little bit. The other side is I've been a part of now a few communities who have, as a community, gone through very significant seasons of lament. This, I mean, with my friend, that was one of them, but it was kind of a disconnected, more like, you know, we, he and I had been uh, involved with various churches kind of together in and out. Like I would leave a church, I'd left a church and he went there and, you know, different things like that. And so it wasn't as much as like, oh, we're on a weekly gathering and that's the group of people that are lamenting over the loss of my friend. But it was like all these churches and uh, communities throughout the region were grieving the loss of my friend and we're able to come together and like see that. But there was another another moment in my life in, in college at our college ministry where one of our like really key leaders, really, really key leaders, he was just the most incredible guy, absolutely just infectious joy for life. He passed away. And I think it was his sophomore, his junior year of college. And it was completely shocking. It was sudden out of nowhere. And so here's this community I'm like one of the worship leaders for, and it's just this immense grieving process. But there are a few songs that just were so, uh, so powerful. And those songs were kind of songs of lament. Like um, one was, again, one that I had written for like for that scenario. And it was just like, open my eyes to see you moving because, you know, the, the idea is like, I don't understand. I don't understand the things that you do. And we were able to kind of rally around that song. There's a few other um, songs that we didn't write that were also really, really profound and impactful for our community. You know, I just see the community together being able to, to lament. But what that takes, and this is where I think I am very clear, and like I think this is a really strong challenge for the church and for specifically worship in the church. If I am so consumed as a worship leader with sounding and with feeling and with doing everything just like this stadium anthem environment, when I'm a church, you know, like I lead worship at a college ministry, in a high school ministry of like, you know, 60 people is what our college ministry is. 
if I'm trying to recreate and I'm just doing everything I can to recreate this anthem experience and it's like I'm doing all the popular songs and I have no sensitivity to what's happening in my community, you know, that's what really needs to be dealt with. And so I think when we're talking about what should the church be doing about lament, I just feel like our leaders, our church leaders need to have the sensitivity to, to not only their people, but to the Holy Spirit and to God to know where to lead their communities. Because I don't think it's a blanket state. I don't think it's necessarily helpful to say a blanket statement. Let's all like drop into more lament. But I hope, and, and the trouble is too, when you have a bigger church and it's harder to steer that ship based on a season or anything like that. But when you do have the relationship with the people in your church, and I, I just, this is why I value small environments so much. Let's shift our gatherings. Let's shift how we're doing things, let's shift what we're saying to meet the needs of those people. And, and I think you can do that through worship music in powerful ways. And honestly, that's one thing that I was really trying to do with this album, especially as it kind of progressed, starting from, oh, I just want this to be helpful for our church, to then, oh, this is me grieving my friend, to then how can I help other people with their own lament and grief and things like that. And so you see those sort of things. Like, I think there are a couple, one song in particular ends, ends with a question <laughs> or um, just the sense of, even if this doesn't get fixed, I guess I'll still trust you. <laughs> it's kind of the sense of the last line of one of these songs. But that is, that's something that I'm hoping to, to dig into um, with this album is just that honesty and even the, te the specific testimony of things that are happening in people's lives, because I just think that's so important for our church. And especially if your church is going through some form of lament or, or people in your church are going through some form of lament, like being able to, as a, as a church leader, meet them there and help them is just so important, I believe. I feel like kind of what I'm hearing you say is let's not necessarily chase after lament or chase after whatever it happens to be but it's kind of like romans uh chapter 12 rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn so it kind of reminds me of this like let's actually meet people where they're at and if that's lamenting if that's mourning let's meet them there mm -hmm. and minister to them there but the trouble is the question that i don't really know how to answer is then how do you do that in particular using worship at a bigger church, like New Heights, our church, we're a bigger church. We've got a number of campuses. We have large gatherings. So there's no real way to shift for a specific person. So I, I, I don't know. I guess I don't totally know what to do with that. Besides maybe especially uh, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. I don't know. I guess it's just the leaders being really sensitive to the Word of God and to the Spirit of God <laughs> and actually knowing their community to then respond, even if it's in a subtle way or, you know, something that might not be distracting for a new person, but still can be a gift. I don't know. Maybe that's kind of what it is. It's just uh, hard, difficult in a, in a big church environment. And even thinking of like some of these massive bands, massive, like a Hillsong who just get reach millions and millions of people. How do you lead those people? And maybe it is like, hey, the Holy Spirit just kind of tugging on them and saying like, I need you to take our world into a moment of lament. You know, I mean, I'm curious. Maybe that's it. I don't <laughs> I don't know. I think there's a, I, I often categorize worship into kind of two buckets of corporate worship and personal worship. Some of the most impactful songs in my life, I mean, I know we're talking about lament, but talking specifically about worship here. Some of the most impactful songs for me, it would be songs that I've never done corporately. I've never seen anyone do corporately because they're not necessarily 
maybe the word's appropriate for like kind of like what you're getting at like a new person comes in what the heck are we singing about what do you what is going on but it's like still this beauty of like this writer or writers went through something wrote about it and then even just me in my car like worshiping to this song and it's just me and god and this recording in a sense i guess what i'm trying to get at is it doesn't always need to play out in the context of a corporate setting i think there's some beauty of like even if it's like through a recorded song i'm gonna meet someone in this personal setting when it's just them and god provide a means of them like if nothing else being heard being seen and someone else has given me the words to say to god maybe not even sing or even just think and that, that's an interesting role. I mean, uh, there's two distinctions too, even in even in worship music or church music culture or whatever. There's the live, you know, in-person worship. But I think there's this also distinction of like just worship, like recorded music, you know, and stepping into the world of recorded music, you've got this kind of whole other experience. Like you have less new people there. You know, there's, there's less people who their first thing is listening to the band on Spotify or whatever. And I feel like there are unique things that you can do in that environment that hopefully do and that's kind of one of the things I was wanting to do with this uh with this album this EP is like do unique musical things like do stylistic things that you can't do in in a church environment but you're able to pull off and make it happen in this recorded environment intending for people to have a one-on-one experience with God. So yeah, I, I yeah, it's interesting being able to do that. But I, even still, I, I think what what I'm like really excited about as I and one of the reasons I really wanted to go from oh here's a pool of songs that are not connected to oh let's let let's pull the trigger on this thing and make an album. As I was looking at all the lessons I had kind of learned and processed through these songs, and even all the conversations were these ideas. I have had so many conversations with different you know students and and just people in general, maybe challenging them and then using this concept of like performance as an idol in my life, just using that as an example to like challenge somebody, hey, here's how this Lord's been working in my life. Maybe this is how he could work in your life. Uh, Or like, maybe can I encourage you with this kind of story that I learned from God? I'm like, why don't I just do that with my music, you know, in a unique way through recording them, that you can just take them through this journey of all these, you know, because I feel like that's the best way to connect with somebody and even to challenge if you're like mentoring somebody is to give specific real life examples, you know, like this is when I you know, really messed this up. At least for me, that's, that's been the, the most helpful hearing from older people. And so I just feel like still like with worship music and even like this recorded album, being able to have these specific examples to, to share with people and hopefully help them with, uh, I just... And I'm I'm really glad to be able to do that. So something that I feel like is as equally as important of you know talking about lament is realizing that it is a season, which means it's something that we're not meant to sit in for forever. We're supposed to come out of it. And so Logan, I'm interested in you said that gratitude has been a part of the healing process. What has that looked like for you? Man, I just love that question, but. Gratitude for me is, it's almost like a sense of humility and it's laying down entitlement and it's like holding things with an open hand, you know, gratitude, like, because you can see the same thing as like, yeah, this is mine. Like I deserve to live in this house because like I'm an American. So I live in a house, you know, or there's like that entitlement. But then 
the the same exact thing could be experienced as like, oh my gosh, like I'm so grateful. Like I don't deserve, like this is incredible, the gift to be able to like live in this house and have, you know, shelter and have, you know, whatever it is. So I feel like this distinction of experiencing life with gratitude and even going through lament <laughs> in a sense of like leaning into gratitude. I think there's just so much. And I think that is the only way in lament to really lay things down before God. As you lay also, I think at the same time, you have to lay down the victim mentality. You have to lay down entitlement. You have to lay down, um, you know, that the world is against you or all those things you have to lay down in order for the Lord to really hear you or not hear you, in order, order for the Lord to really heal you. And because if you, I don't know, I just feel so deeply, if you are holding on, even so another form of lament is just like somebody hurt, hurt me somebody hurt you, you know, if you are holding on to the power that that person has for, has over you as almost like I was in a victim, then the Lord is never going to be able to take that away. And that person almost gets more power over you the more tightly you, you hold it. But as soon as you take that perspective of, no, I don't deserve this house. I was like gifted this house by God. I don't deserve another breath. I was gifted this next breath by God. There's just so much space there to come before the cross humbly to, and honestly, from that, from that identity, that fixed identity, what Christ has done for us on the cross, you get to go to other people. And I even think another thing that even in this album as a theme has just been forgiveness, but it's been only as I've fixed my identity on what Christ has done for me and nothing else, like laid down all my entitlement, fixed my identity as a child of God, and even just the gratitude in that. I have found from that source, from that well, the infinite well of living water, I've been able to go into these other relationships and say, I forgive you and actually mean it. And I was reading this book, I don't remember the name or the title, but it's, I think the book is just called Forgiveness. And one of the things that really stood out to me is forgiving somebody is saying, you don't owe me anything because I have everything I need in God. So as, as, as long as you're still waiting for something from that other person, as far as them to change, them to like come and apologize, whether or not they do, that's, that's fine. But that's not the issue. If you go in expecting that, you're never really, they still have so much power over your life. So you're getting hurt twice, really. And so the gratitude process, the, the healing process for me from this lament has so much been, let me f have my identity fixed in Christ and, and at the foot of the cross and what he has done for me, that he's adopted me as a child of God and that I have everything I need in him. Then I'm able to go to these scenarios and even like, you know, the lament of uh, my performance situation, <laughs> you know, as I was grieving that, I knew now I'm learning that because I lost that, that doesn't mean my identity was ripped away even though that's what I was convinced of. And that's how I responded, as if my identity, my very identity was ripped away from me. My identity wasn't ripped away. My identity was fixed. And so now I can experience that loss and still remain a whole and complete person. I can experience being betrayed or uh, mistreated because I'm still a whole person. And, and out of the riches of God's love and mercy, I can forgive that person. And I can even experience the loss of an incredibly dear friend. Because I know like my, his hope, my hope is fixed, not in the world, not in the situation, um, but it's fixed with Christ. It's so crazy to me because I feel like 
I know Austin knows you and you guys have gotten to spend time together, but we just met, I think, like right before quarantine happened at church. Yeah. And uh, it's, I, I knew your album was coming out, but it's so crazy just to get to hear a piece of your heart and where this album is coming out of. And I'm an Enneagram 4, and so <laughs> hearing where your heart is and the background of this album makes me so excited to listen and I don't know it's just you're you come across super genuine and I'm I'm just all the more excited so I guess uh before we close you know when does your album come out and where can we listen to it yes um we will have it out June 19th and it'll be on Apple Music, Spotify, just kind of anywhere where you normally stream. And we might have us working out some details still, but we might have a single before then. So if you are interested, if you follow me on social media, uh, it would just be uh, like on Instagram would be best. Just Logan W. Myers, M-Y-E-R-S on Instagram. um, And then everything will be posted there. So. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you want to learn more about Can I Say That? Our guests on the show or submit questions and participate in polls, please join us on Instagram at Can I Say That Show. We love interacting with our audience and hearing how this show has affected, changed, and challenged you in your own walk. So please join us.